Perfect. <laughs> Trauma bonding, ratchet, sweet green, all, all kinds of good stuff. Let me start today's show by giving you some insight as to why I originally started creating content. One of the things that was always frustrating to me growing up is when people would talk in philosophicals or when they would talk in theoreticals and they would, oh, you need to do this or you don't need to do that. But when you would press them and you ask them for specific examples or case studies, they didn't have any response. And I found this to be true across a lot of domains, whether we're talking training, recovery, and a lot of times when it comes to nutrition, people love to wax philosophical, but they never give you practical advice. So that's why I'm so excited to have Christina Chu on today's show. Christina is a Chicago-based sports dietitian and CEO of Christina Chu Sports Nutrition Inc. She supports athletes ranging from youth baseball to professional combat athletes through individual nutrition counseling and team talks. And her portfolio includes everything from Major League Baseball athletes, the UFC, NWSL, Bellator, NCAA, NAIA, and even tactical athletes. So needless to say, she's been doing this for a little while. She knows what she's talking about. But the best thing about Christina is she's going to take these big picture nutrition topics and then give us practical, real-world advice that will help our athletes better fuel themselves going forward. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, nutrition has always been a fascination of mine. Uh, my wife is a dietitian. I would have been a dietitian myself if it hadn't required probably an extra two years uh, of extra school on top of the six that I already did and another eight or nine month internship. But I've loved nutrition. I'm fascinated by it. I love learning about it. And that's why I was so excited to get Christina on today's show. I mean, we've got some great topics for you. We start off by talking about this this entry-level thought process or idea and shifting our athletes' thinking from talking about diet and exercise to fueling and training. And I think that's such a huge mindset shift. We talk about the performance plate and how to help athletes get a better representation and visualization of what a good meal should look like. We talk about the difference between having a diet and being on a diet. I think, again, this is of critical importance because you hear a lot of people throw out the word diet, but there's a huge difference between having a diet, which all of us do, and being on a diet. We talk about myths and misconceptions that she deals with with athletes, talking about you know protein needs, talking about carbohydrates, the fear-mongering that we get from the fat loss culture when it comes to carbohydrates, whether we're talking starches, whether we're talking about you know fructose and the the simple sugars we're getting from fruits. It's just such a great discussion. I loved having Christina on, and I think you're really going to take a lot away from this week's show. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll jump into this awesome new episode with Christina Chu. Did you know that in any given year, 40% of the trainers and coaches in our industry will leave our industry? 
Maybe that's why it seems like almost every day I talk to trainers and coaches who are frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, let me tell you how I can help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you. People who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 plus years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In the cert, you'll learn how to use my R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. You'll learn the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym to help your clients squat, hinge, press, and pull with awesome technique. You'll learn my streamlined assessment process that will help you determine the exact movements your clients should be performing when they come in the gym. And last but not least, you'll learn how to create relationships and build rapport with virtually everyone you train so you can get the best possible results. Of course, there's a lot more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the CERT is all about. Now, here's the thing. Spots for the CERT only open twice per year for a limited time. But if you join my free insiders list now, you'll be able to save $200 when my next group opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, that's completecoachcertification.com. And then stay tuned for our launch emails very soon. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you'll join us when the next complete coach certification launches. Christina, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on and talk a little bit about nutrition. Could we start by just learning a little about you? Tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me here, Mike. So my name is Christina Chu. I am a sports dietitian and I own my own private practice and I'm based out of Chicago, Illinois, the beautiful, windy, cold city. Yes. <laughs> Very close to you. Midwest yeah, representing Midwest. today. Midwest is truly the best. Um, <laughs> But yeah, as in my private practice, I work primarily with athletes and high performers. So anyone from youth athletics to professionals and kind of everyone in between, as well as some of our adjacent career paths, our high performers, our actors, our lawyers, our artists, yeah. C-suite executives, et cetera. Really anyone that just aligns in that high performance lifestyle and I help them with their nutrition. So working with them one-on-one -on -one or in a team setting, in a corporate wellness setting, speaking setting, all of the above. And that's really just my bread and butter and my niche is, is working with high performers. I, I will say it. something else that I do work with is combat athletes okay. working in the weight class sports realm from again, youth wrestlers all the way up to pro fighters. And that has its own set of issues, right? When you're totally. talking about <laughs> making weight, putting weight on, cutting weight, all the mm -hmm. things that revolve around weight class sports, that's a whole nother animal, isn't it? Absolutely. And that like really interested me when I was in school because okay. for me, it was two sports in one. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, making I weight like it. and then yeah. the actual sport itself. You don't just make weight, everyone applause and you go home. 
you then have to do your actual sport afterwards. So right. for me, it was a two for one. I liked the extra challenge. I liked the almost the risk that or definitely the risk that's associated with it. And yep. honestly, the people in the sports are they're just honestly the best guys and gals. Yeah, that's awesome. No Very bias, cool. So what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no bias. No so bias. talk to me, what led you into this space? What got you interested in nutrition, made you want to be a dietitian, all of these things? Yeah, I really knew I wanted to be a dietitian since I was a junior in high school. Okay. Very young age. Yeah, I was one of the, yeah. those people who went into college knowing exactly what they wanted to do and did not stray away from it. So this was yeah. really like my like end goal in life. Maybe yep. not the end, but like, <laughs> it really was a big uh, chapter in my life that I wanted to achieve since I was 15, 16 years old. And what really got me interested actually is the lunchroom at high school. So okay. if we can kind of reflect back to the lunchroom in high school, people brought in their lunches. There's all the different options in the cafeteria. And it really opened my eyes as to, wow, we all eat so differently Yes. And regardless what background you come from, which culture you come from, how many siblings you have in the family, who does a grocery shopping. And I realized how big of an impact nutrition and the things surrounding nutrition affected someone's body. And yeah. so when I was thinking through career paths, walking through everything, I wanted to be in a career where I could help serve people and, and help people could not see myself being a nurse. I'll be completely honest, <laughs> bless our nurses, but yeah. um, that just, I did not have that kind of mental resiliency to co be completely yeah. transparent. And I stumbled across nutrition and dietetics and I was like, this clicks for me. Ever since then, I was like, this is a path that I want to go down throughout college too. I played tennis in high school and then I continued by coaching tennis in college. So I've always been involved in the sports world. After I was done coaching tennis, I became a personal trainer at one of our gyms and then um, transitioned into teaching cycling classes, which I still do to this day. And that oh, has fun. always been in the back. I wouldn't necessarily say back burner, but that's not really like my primary thing. I'm not going to be like, yeah, I know everything about training programs, but it really right. was a great window into like that side of things, the client work. And it just made me, I feel like a more well-rounded dietitian. So yeah. that really helped me in my career and trajectory. Absolutely. And the great thing about that too, is you have some shared experience now, right? Like when you're going and you're working with a team sport coach, or you're working with a personal trainer, like you've been in those shoes. So it's not like you're living in this perfect bubble of, I need them to do this and this, and you don't understand some of the real world issues and struggles that they're probably going through. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the, on the logistical sides, I understand the no-shows. I understand the sales pitch. I understand yes. like yes. the needing to make these programs. I understand. Yes. I have walked a couple miles in the shoes, but yep. ultimately I kind of close those doors on the training side and really am focused on like the sports dietitian side of things. I love it. I love it. Okay. So last but not least, mm -hmm. walk us through from you're getting that college degree, you're doing the college <laughs> tennis coaching, all that good stuff yeah. to where you're at now. Were there any stops along the way? What did your journey look like? Because people always like to hear about people's like career arcs, if you will. Yeah. So when I was in college, funny enough, I actually did not want to work in sports. Okay. <laughs> and I always feel a little scared to say that publicly, but you know what? I'm a transparent person. I think that's important to acknowledge. I didn't come yeah. in guns a blazing wanting to work with athletes. I had the naive thought of 
athletes, what could they possibly need help with in their nutrition? <laughs> Silly, yeah. right? When you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you kind of have that almost ness or whatever it may be. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to work with these people. And I had this light bulb moment of I always wanted more. So being a trainer, I was able to work with people in the corporate space. And that's what I thought I wanted to work in. And after yep. getting this exposure, I was like, this is great, but I don't think this is it for me. I need something. I need more stimulus. I need more effort. I need more intensity. And I was like, who could be more intense than these people in the working field? And someone was like, why not athletes? So it's kind of a full circle moment. I think if you asked right. any of my classmates, they would have said, you're going to work in sports, but I don't know. I just didn't see it at the time. <laughs> and yes. so I went to Boston University and uh, when I was in grad or yes, grad school, it was the first or second year that our fueling station had opened. So okay. I did my practicum, yeah. which is like a rotation where you work under a dietitian. I did that at the fueling station, which was like my first experience in a traditional sports nutrition setting. And I absolutely loved it. I remember we had 6 yeah. AMs. Uh, we had to be there by 6 AM. And like the night before, I kid you not, I was laying in bed. I was like, God, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow. And I'm <laughs> not a morning person at all. So that takes a lot for someone to be like, yeah, I'm so pumped to wake up that early. Sure. And it was me being there, being in the environment, the chaos, but also the synergy of the strength room and all these athletes come in and get their smoothies and get their shakes. I'm thinking about nutrition in a different way. And that was just so exciting for me to be quite transparent. So that's when I was like, yes, sports is it, athletes is it, like full steam ahead. This is where I need to be. Yep. So to be a dietitian, you need to do your dietetic internship. And this is essentially like a residency, but for nutrition. And I had an elective rotation where I could choose anything. And I said, you know what, why not just go for the top, right? So let's reach out to all of these different people in sports nutrition, see where I can get exposure in. And I apply or I reached out to at the time, the director at the UFC Performance Institute. And I was very interested in that because I remember two sports yeah. in one. I was like, that's so exciting. And I don't know a lot about it. And I said, there's no way he's going to answer me. Think about it. And you think about the business. You're like, there's no way that he's going to answer my email. And lo and behold, that's where I ended up at my elective rotation was at the UFC PI in Las Vegas. So I'm in sweet. Boston. Las yeah. Vegas is two, two, three time zones away. I was like, yeah. okay, great. See you then. And I was like, crap. How do I get there? How do I rent a hotel? I did not think about any of the logistics. I was like, here's the endpoint. You'll find your way over there. So ended up going to the PI, spent my rotation there, got to learn so much about combat athletes. And again, that solidification just hit. And I was like, these are athletes who are so underserved. And a lot of dietitians are just honestly just afraid to work with these athletes because there is such high risk. Sure. But for me, that was so exciting. So that was my path in the intro of combat sports. And then after that, passed my board exam and ended up opening my own private practice during COVID. To be quite transparent, there were, yeah. I applied for the traditional jobs and got nothing because it was during COVID. It was just no one was hiring. So I was like, you know what? My apartment gave me two months free rent. I got two months to figure this out. Nothing was landing. So I said, I'm going to take this into my own hands and just take that leap of faith. And here we are three years later. That is cool. That is cool. Can I ask who your yeah. contact was at the UFCPI? So it was Clint Wait. Wattenberg. 
Okay. See, I don't know Clint. I know Duncan. Duncan. Oh, yes. Duncan. He's yes. great. Yeah. Yes. He's so Duncan and I, 20 some years ago, were at Ball State at the exact same time. Very randomly. Wow. Wow. Yes. So it's been cool to watch him evolve and grow. But yeah, he's an awesome person. And good for you. That's a power move, right? COVID, everybody's freaking out. Am I going to have a job? What jobs are open? If you have a job, am I going to keep my job? And you're just like, no, I'll just do this on my own. That's a power Honestly. move for sure. <laughs> if you're enjoying today's podcast and not already subscribed to the Robertson Training Systems newsletter, what are you waiting for? When you sign up, you'll get immediate access to materials that will help you write better programs, motivate people outside of the gym, and improve how your clients move and feel. Plus, the RTS newsletter is the only place where I announce up-and-coming events like virtual summits, live seminars, and my program design mentorship. And last but not least, I hate spam as much as you do, so I will only email you when I've got something valuable to deliver, something that will make you a better athlete, trainer, or coach. So if you're not already subscribed, head over to robertsontrainingsystems.com and register for our newsletter right now, today. Now, that's enough for me. Let's get back into this week's episode. Thank you. And honestly, it was it was certainly a, a interesting time for all of us, but sure. there were no other options. I remember reaching the last page of LinkedIn and I was like, what do I do now? No one yeah. teaches you what to, and I, I moved from Boston to Chicago and we know so much of this industry is about your network. I knew nobody in Chicago. And it was yeah. also that weird time where like meeting people was kind of like Super awkward. No, it was super awkward. Let's right. be real. The people I see every day, you're nervous to go talk to your neighbors, right? Cause you're like, Oh, they have what bad juju right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know you, I, I moved, I traveled. It was just honestly a really weird time, but I think that just pushed me to be twice as good as maybe something that I might've been more relaxed on if we were in normal circumstances. So for me, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I'm really honestly happened, happy that that occurred. And that gave me that push to move into private practice. But yeah, I, it was certainly a chaotic first year of like, what is going on? I need to make sure, sure that I have a roof over my head. I'm not in debt. Like, um, so yeah, Times were different back then, but we're good now. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Like one thing that we had talked about via email before the show and then just immediately prior to was just this idea and this concept of athlete fueling. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of where we want to put our focus today. And I would love to just start very general and then we can kind of drill down on some of these major areas. But I would love to hear from you what you consider to be just your foundations of athlete fueling. Yeah. The biggest thing is honestly to shift that mindset away from diet and exercise, which we hear a lot about, to fueling and training. Mm -hmm. So that mentality in and of itself is such a big like light switch moment. Diet and exercise gets kind of clinical. It gets almost negative. You're preventing diseases. And it's all about yeah. like avoiding the negative. But fueling and training is like how do we make things better? Like, how do we, like, how do we get to a hundred percent? Just not yeah. how do we avoid zero percent? And so that huge mindset shift I think is big for athletes and that can be really 
hard because you yeah. don't typically grow up around that mindset. Or maybe our parents are always like diet exercise. And then now you have to switch that mentality. So that's number one. And I always say, if I'm stuck in an elevator with an athlete, 30 seconds, what is the one thing that you would recommend? That would be the performance plates, which to give you some background information on the performance plates, they're adapted from the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee pretty high level athletes, I would say. Yeah. And it's essentially how do we build our meals? So we're using four components, your carbs, your protein, your colors, and your healthy fats. And the baseline plate is to consume an equal portion of carbs, protein, and color, which is fruits and vegetables, and using some healthy fats to cook or top or yeah. dress your food with. And doing that consistently gets you like 70, 80% of the way there when it comes right. to fueling your body. So that is like my elevator pitch when it comes to like the foundations of nutrition, which is your meals. Sure. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's so simple, right? Because when people start talking, I need 40% carbs, 30%, like people are talking like macros right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Nobody thinks in macros unless you're maybe a dietitian or a bodybuilder, somebody that's in the space, like lives in the space, right? Most people think, oh, I've got a plate. And then you can imagine, okay, these three parts, say hey, here's my starch or my mm -hmm. carbohydrate, here's my protein, here's my color. Like that just makes a lot of sense. And I would think is just very easily understood by your people that don't have these high performance degrees in nutrition or dietetics or something else. And you don't need to be. I think that's a huge yeah. misconception is people are like, I don't really want to track calories or I don't like, <laughs> know a lot about these calories. I'm like, it's okay. First of all, you're not expected. Being an athlete doesn't mean you automatically know what your macros are, but you don't, you, there is an education component. So we should understand at least something about it. But I mean, when people ask how many calories should I eat a day? That's a very common first question. Sure. It's, do you even know? If I said 2000 calories, do you even know what 2000 calories looks like? No. How many grams of carbs <laughs> do I need? Do you even know how many, how, if I said 200 grams of carbs, do you know what 200 grams of carbs look like? No. Then respectfully, that's kind of a dumb question in that essence of let's reframe our thinking. And maybe I think oftentimes we, we think that's a question to ask, but that's not necessarily the case if we can't receive that answer. Yeah. Um, so the visual model is great. It's awesome. Regardless of education level, we can look at a picture and try and replicate it. And so yes. that is a great first step. Um, and I'll always tell my athletes, like, I want to talk in food. I don't want to go food to numbers, interpretation of that numbers, which then ultimately goes back to food. Let's just keep the language the same. And let's, if you're open to it, let's not even go super in depth with the numbers because ultimately you're just making changes with your diet. You're not like, it's not like a coding program where you change the right. numbers. Like it's just the food on your plate. And how can we make those adjustments to better fit your lifestyle? Yeah. Okay. So I've got to follow up to this. Sure. Because I think a lot of times people in our world, right? Maybe not athletes so much, but in our world, just synonymously use the word diet, right? Versus you said fueling, mm -hmm. right? Or nutrition. How can we work to improve that language. Because I think a lot of times when people hear diet, they assume like low calories or keto or whatever new fangled mm -hmm. diet there is. Yeah. How do we get no. away from that? Yeah, cabbage soup, Weight Watchers, Atkins, yeah. I mean, all of yeah. the above, right? Whatever was right. on the first page of that magazine, especially in January. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when we think about our diet, we 
have a diet, so what we put into our body, we don't necessarily need to be on a diet. So my yeah. preceptor, which was like our mentor, basically in our internship, she always joked around where she was like, I'm on the seafood diet. I see food and then I eat it. And like <laughs> our employees are always Haha, like dad joke. They would always get a kick out of that. That's right. Kind of true in the sense of like your diet that you have, not a diet that you're on, is supposed to support your lifestyle and your goals. Now, of course, there are certain prescriptive diets. So keto diet, for example, since you brought that up, keto diet is was originally intended for children with epilepsy in the sense that a high, extremely high fat diet can actually reduce your occurrences of seizures. It's like oh. this really weird. I don't I honestly can't explain the mechanism of it, but yeah for these kids to avoid seizures and to be able to live as healthy as a lifestyle as they can, they have to be on a keto diet. And it gets to the point, especially the dietitian working like in the hospital setting, like these high level dietitians, <laughs> I know some of them and they're like, we lose sleep over, oh my God, did my kid go out of ketosis? Because that means that now they're having all these health issues. And yeah. that is truly like, prescriptive in that case, right? We have sure. our DASH diet to help with hypertension. We have the Mediterranean diet. Like we do have these prescriptive diets, but I think when it comes to low carb, keto, high protein, intermittent fasting, gluten-free, Whole30, blah, 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 all these maybe more like pop culture diets, they don't yeah. really serve a place. When we think about, especially for our athletes, but when we think about people who aren't really working towards having to manage their diseases or conditions, they don't really serve a place. They honestly just have too many cooks in the kitchen and then things get way too confusing or they're just not attainable and we just bounce to another diet at that end. Right. No, it's great. And I think it actually kind of moves us seamlessly into this next idea or concept talking about carbohydrates, right? Because I mean, look, you've been around long enough. There's a lot of fear mongering and just shaming of carbohydrates as well as I do for athletes. They're kind of a big deal. So I would love to just hear your thoughts on the role that carbohydrates play in fueling our athletes. Absolutely. That has certainly been a battle that it's fighting to this day. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to, honestly, yeah. I, Side story, but I have been watching Formula One on Netflix. I'm obsessed, oh, yeah. <laughs> obsessed yeah. with it. It's yeah. so good. So when we think about these Formula One drivers and the million dollar cars that they have, they're not putting diesel gas into their car. They're right. not putting like anything but the prime cream of the crop fuel source into their cars. When you're an athlete, hopefully we're thinking about ourselves in that level. We are the Formula One car, but that is our body. And we wanna try and reach our fullest potential. They're driving like 200 plus miles an hour. As an athlete, regardless of what sport that you're in, you want to achieve like that highest peak potential. So they're not putting anything other than the best type of gasoline into their car. From a human perspective, we should not be putting anything less than the premium cream of the crop food into our system when we're an athlete. Our body and our brain's main source of energy is going to come from your carbs. Carbohydrates, which come from your starches, your fruits, your grains, that is a, at this point, non-negotiable for athletes. I do not have a single athlete on a low carbohydrate diet as much as they want to push me to do that. I yeah. refuse because I mean, honestly, 
you do you boo like this is your body you get to do whatever you want but right. if you want my take on it right like my advice it's that you do need to have those carbs in your diet to help fuel your body to achieve that fullest both mental and physical performance carbohydrates essentially break down into energy which our body muscles lungs brain etc uses in order to run fast lift heavy throw hard etc so right. carbs are essentially a non-negotiable at this point for athletes because of the energy that they provide and the quick energy too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because then you mentioned fruits, right? And I, if so much of the carbohydrate issue, I think stems from the fat loss culture, sure. right? Again, fat loss, people are just like, oh, how can I get weight off easy? I can cut my carbohydrates, right? And we know water manipulation, all those mm -hmm. things, but then comes along for the ride. It's not just carbohydrates that are bad in all like the complex carbs, but oh, fruits too. Fruits are bad for you now too. And so it's great that you're talking about these things because I like that idea too of not just starches, but color. Mm -hmm. Because color, not only do you get like micronutrients, all that good stuff, you get fiber. There's a lot of benefits there. So how do you bring somebody back? So the person <laughs> that does come to you and they're just like, yeah. no, Christina, I am not eating carbs. How can you try and get that person back on the bus? Look, this is how this is going to benefit you. I will give a disclaimer that most of the athletes that I work with choose to work with me. So they're not forced That's to come fair. see me. So I'm very lucky in the sense, I know a lot of dietitians will be like, so-and-so doesn't listen, but like they're forced to go see them by their team. My athletes sure. are paying out of pocket. There's a financial component. So the motivation is quite high, but of course yes. you always get pushback. And yep. I think this is very hard for the class A type A archetype of dietitians to understand, but sometimes the lesson learned can be a great lesson in and of itself. So if you want to go on a low carb diet, fine, let's try it for two weeks. See how you feel. But you have to try mine after two weeks then. Yeah, and then that's just, fair. Just that's AB good. test it. AB test. How do yeah. you feel then? How do you feel with mine? And almost 100% of the time, they feel better <laughs> with the carbs in their diet. It's just yeah. it's science. That's all that it is. It's science. It's logic. It's just how our body works. And our bodies are built pretty much the same at the root in regards to metabolism and how we break down energy. So we're just using that for your favor instead of trying to finagle it or create some other alternative meta solution. Yeah. So I'll usually be like, you know what? I, we're all just like kids. And when you tell a kid to do something, they're not going to want to do it. So fine, have your way, try it. But there, there has to be some sort of resolution at the end. I'll usually meet the athletes where they're at. So if they're in the case of, I'll see this a lot too, of I don't want to consume, I'll consume carbs, but I don't want to consume ultra processed carbs. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> because all foods are processed for them to get, they don't just fall from the tree and then immediately end up in your pantry. There is right. some sort of processing that does happen. All right. What carbs are you willing to do? Potatoes, fruit, rice, like what are you as an athlete willing to meet me in the middle line? And then yeah. how do we incorporate that into your diet? Okay. We're seeing positive results from that. How do we expand the variety of our carbs? Because ideally we want to consume as much as many different types of carbs as possible to just increase the versatility, increase the micronutrient intake that we're getting as well. So I'll usually for honestly, not just carbs, but anything, meet my athletes in the middle. Where are you willing to make change? And let's just slowly push the needle in that direction. Mm, I like that a lot. I really like that. And the best part of that is you're not like forcing it on them, right? And you're mm -hmm. giving them an opportunity. Hey, let's try it your way. You kind of know how it's going to play out. I mean, I've done that in the gym. Oh, 
you want to squat four days a week. Okay, great. Let's test that out and let's see how it works. And then we'll do it my way for a month. You mm -hmm. know, generally your squat goes up the exact same amount. You're not as beat up. You feel better. So I love that idea of, hey, we'll try it your way as long as we get to try it my way as well. Yeah. I've had this happen with a wrestler, for example, who was in the college setting and made weight my way was like, wow, this feels great. Coach was like, what is this witchcraftery? Like you can't do that. <laughs> right. And he was like, listen, my coach is like really on me about being dehydrated. And I was like, all right, like you do it. Like you have to follow what coach says and fine, but just keep this in the back of your mind. That time, whether it was a coincidence or not, got injured, had a lot of cramping, had a lot of like stiffness, like an injury yeah. flare up. And I was like, so which one do you want to do now? You right. know? And so I think right. all of that is we don't wish poorly upon our athletes at all. But I think it's a great lesson learned to not only just do the right thing, but also make mistakes, learn your lessons. And then that'll give you some sort of perspective. Again, as much for that, like controlling type A coaching mentality, as, as much as that is hard to let go, ultimately it does help your athlete in the end. Yeah. And it helps them change their behaviors over the long haul, mm -hmm. right? Versus like a one and done. They have that experience once and they're probably like, yeah, that sucked. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on board now. So this leads me to another question. And I'm so fascinated by the fact that like you alluded to your little lunchroom scenario, <laughs> if you look around different ethnicities, backgrounds, socioeconomic factors, what's going on in the home? What did the parents mm -hmm. eat? All that. So everybody has these, what I would describe as nutritional biases, right? Even you and I, right? We've got certain ways that we grew up and things that we like and don't like. How do you go about figuring that out with somebody? Like, how do you start to figure out what their biases are and how that may either be helping them or holding them back? Yeah. A lot of this comes from the counseling skills as a dietitian. As a dietitian, our job is not just to say, eat salads and move on. We listen. Right. I mean, hopefully we listen. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> At least for me, I try to listen to my athletes, yeah. right? And understand that background. So as a dietitian, I am one voice of many that athlete has. They have their yep. parents, they have siblings, teammates, coaches, social media, popular athletes that they follow. The list goes on and on. Yeah dietitian is one. It's not me to be the end all be all voice. Like, why don't you listen to what I say? Like I'm the dietitian, but to understand, Hey, like you grew up with a, an almond mom, you grew up with an almond mom who, yeah. um, you know, ate one almond and was like, I'm full. Or you grew up with a weight watchers mom. Oh, that makes so much sense. Or, um, you constantly saw your dad binge drinking. Oh, yeah. that makes sense why we're using that as like a coping mechanism. So to understand that and just to ask questions about the athlete, and this is where I'll honestly tell a lot of my interns, like not a hundred percent of your session needs to be nutrition related because once it's almost once you start asking non-nutrition related questions, then a lot of things come out that you can like gather and be like, wow, I didn't know this about you. This explains so much in regards to your motivation, your behavior, as well as how do we make that behavior change? So yeah. it, it almost is, it's not therapy by any means, but you do use those counseling skills to dive in and learn more about your athletes. I'll yeah. give you a perfect example. I had a college football player that I was working with. He had a campus dietitian, RD, that he was like, I didn't like her. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 
Sounds good. I'm hoping that things will change here while you're on your summer break. And I asked why. And he said, I really resonated with my strength coaches. They cared about me. They, we had more rapport, blah, blah, blah. And so I kept all that in mind because obviously I wanted him to have a good experience. And I saw on his phone, he had some anime character on it. I know nothing about anime. All I know is Naruto, because that's what my brothers grew up with. So right. I was like, oh, is that Naruto on your phone? Knowing it's absolutely not Naruto. But he was like, no, <laughs> it's, it's so, and he was explaining it to me. And we were literally having a full conversation for, gosh, maybe the first five, less than 10 minutes of our appointment, debating whether or not we should watch shows with the subtitles on or like in their native language or with the voice yeah. dub over. And just something right. as simple as that helped build so much buy-in because he was like, oh, she cares about me as a human, not just as like this robot of an athlete. So I think those little micro conversations help so much when uncovering the nutrition biases and uncovering the history of the athlete, which is important for us as dietitians to ultimately make that assessment. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just great universal advice, right? Whether we're talking nutrition, whether we're talking training, I can tell you definitively some of my best training sessions on my end and on their end came where the training was like pretty good or okay, but it was the conversations and the discussions because I knew we got so much like social buy-in or like social currency built up that day. This guy's not going anywhere. This girl's not going anywhere. We really created a better bond today that's going to last us for weeks or months or years going forward. And I think, again, that just can't be understated. And I'm, it's funny, you were talking about Naruto. (laughs) When I used to do in-home, I was in my like late twenties. And I mean, we're talking high performers, people that are making millions of dollars a year, people that are net worth in the nine figures. I mean, I have nothing in common with these people, right? Like I'm a little hillbilly kid from Muncie, Indiana, but I would always try and find stuff that was interesting to them. And one guy was obsessed with woodworking and wine. So I would always ask him like, oh, what kind of wines are you trying right now? And eventually he's, oh, do you want to try some? Sure. And, I mean, I can't tell a $5 bottle from a $500 bottle, but that buy-in right now he's, oh, what wine do you want to try? Or that's just such a great point. And I think any coach, like the older coaches probably know that intuitively, but if you're a younger coach or trainer or nutritionist dietitian mm-hmm. that wants to build better relationships, like trying to find out more about the human first is such a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And people are honestly so interesting. Like we we all do not come from the same background. Even if you're from the same town, you don't come from the same background. And so I've always, I'm always just fascinated with people. Like I could just talk to any, I could talk to a blank wall, but like I could talk to anyone and be like, (laughs) wow, like this UPS driver is so interesting. Or I just think that people have so much to offer when it comes to perspective or when it comes to their lifestyle or what have you. So maintaining that curiosity of your client and being like, wow, I wonder where they came from or what are they interested in? I think that'll definitely take you a long way as a coach, a trainer, et cetera, because it's a people business. Like this is, we work with people, not robots. So like we, for someone to show that they cared enough to ask something about our personal life. And then on top of that, if they remember it, like that just goes a long way. Yeah. Human first athlete Mm -hmm. second, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's great. That's great advice. Okay. I'm really interested in this one and I understand it's a very broad question, but I would love to hear your thoughts. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions you deal with when it comes to nutrition for athletes? I think we addressed one of the first ones, which is 
low carb. Yep. That's got to be honestly like one of the biggest ones. So again, carbs, energy as an athlete, you use energy and more energy than the average person. So thus we need more carbs just to keep it simple. Uh, The second one is skipping breakfast or skipping a morning meal, uh, skipping something in the morning and only eating after 12. Right. Um, I think this kind of li- comes in lines with the intermittent fasting wave, right? And it yep. works for some people. It doesn't, whatever it may be. But when we think about athletes and intermittent fasting or skipping breakfast for athletes, what we're missing is one, an opportunity to get energy in or get calories in. A lot of athletes tend to struggle with appetite to meet their high energy demands and match their yep. energy intake with their output. So we're skipping a time like that makes that even harder. And two, we're missing an opportunity for protein. And we know that protein helps us with muscle building and muscle doesn't build just after your workout. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't just build when you chug your protein shake and then it just stops like that. Muscle builds throughout the day and throughout the night too. So one thing that helps with the muscle building process is to consume protein, right? We get the protein in, we digest it, goes into our blood, goes into our muscles to fix everything up. So the consumption of protein is quite literally a stimulus to help with that repair process. So if we're missing that in the morning, we're missing an opportunity for you to get protein in, get muscle building factors in. And the last time that you ate protein was probably like dinner the night before. And then you're not going to eat again until what, let's say noon. That's 12 plus hours without any kind of stimulus out of our 24 hour day. Not great. Yeah. And then on top of that, the appetite management, right? Like overeating later in the day and starving in the morning, like our body does not like fluctuations. So to keep things kind of consistent throughout the day is key. But a big misconception is I don't need to eat breakfast. I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat breakfast. Whatever it may be. Yeah. So that would be my second one. And then the last one is... There's so many, honestly, I can go on and on. (laughs) I really just want to try and keep it to three. Uh, The last one would be to uh, honestly consuming electrolytes that don't have sodium in them. So with the rise in some of our electrolyte powders that are potassium based, magnesium based, while those are all part of our electrolytes, the main electrolyte that we lose through our sweat is salts. If you've ever tasted your sweat before, it tastes salty, which is a good way to remember it. And so why we want our electrolyte drinks is to replenish the electrolytes that we're losing as we're exercising. So if we're not replenishing salt, we're not really working as efficiently. So Mm. consuming your coconut water or like a body armor or or prime, like those that don't have a lot of electric or a lot of sodium in it, even though they might market themselves as high electrolytes and whatever, it's just not the right balance. Mm. Okay. Okay. So one thing that we talked about before the show is you talked about, you love focusing on like practical. Yeah. And I think you have a really important task here. Breakfast, right? Because a lot of people have dealt with this. I know I did this for many years where I was like, oh, I'm not hungry, or I don't really feel like I need a big breakfast. And so you skip it. And I know this is super common. This isn't just me. This is like high level athletes that I still work with to this day. Maybe it's, oh, I don't want to get up and fix something. Mm -hmm. How do you start to kind of nudge them in that direction? Hey, how can we get you to get something in your body so we're fueling your sessions going forward absolutely for breakfast 
we don't need to do the whole spread. We don't need to okay. do the entire Cracker Barrel, toast, <laughs> eggs, bacon, a side of fruit, fresh squeezed orange juice. We don't need to do any of that. You can, right. but you don't need to. Again, meeting the athletes where they're at. Some simple solutions that I like is one, smoothies. We could throw mm. a lot into a smoothie. And what I have some athletes do is typically we'll use frozen fruit for smoothie, right? Frozen spinach. Put that in the, the little blender thing first then throw it in your smoothie or I'm sorry, then throw it in your freezer the night before. So that way the yeah. morning of you just take it out, add the milk, blend it, and then you're done. That takes oh, that's nice. a minute, not even right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing to keep in mind is let's say if you pour that smoothie out, you can wash the, like the blender cup by just pouring a little bit of soap in there and then blending it. Cause that cleans it all up. Yeah. So yes, boom, I do that. Yeah, that's a, that's dishes. a sweet hack. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Great hack because dishes could be the other part of cooking that people just absolutely despise. Um, yeah. When it comes to smoothies, super easy to build that performance plate. We would just need some type of fruit. We would need some type of protein. So like a Greek yogurt, a cottage cheese, or you can do protein powder too. You can do a high protein milk. So like a Fairlife has a high protein milk. Those core powers, sure. awesome to throw in there. And then some type of fats. So so almond butter, peanut butter, nuts, seeds, etc., And then you can add some carbs in there too. Raw oats tends to work pretty well for most athletes. So boom, throw that into a smoothie, drink it. And keep in mind, it's a lot easier to drink than it is to eat. So the physical yeah. act of chewing is just game changing for some people that they don't want to do it. But you can sip, you can drink, you can definitely chug. I know many of my athletes can chug. We're good on that end. I know you can do it. So let's just take that to our advantage and have that in the morning. Yeah. My second recommendation is to do leftovers. So no one says that we have to have breakfast food for breakfast. And yes. there's not a rule in the system that you need eggs. So if you like, I don't like breakfast food, but I love lunch food. So like to be able to do something that you will eat in the morning, I've had athletes do sandwiches in the morning. I've had athletes do like chicken in the morning. Some of them will do soup now that it's the winter months and they'll find something that works for them in the morning. That's not your traditional breakfast food. Okay. My last suggestion, this is my favorite hack is if you have a Costco membership, they have a breakfast burrito. It's like a red turkey sausage breakfast burrito. Fantastic. The really? challenge with breakfast okay. burritos is that they're either super high in fat. They're naturally going to be higher in fat and sodium given the fact that they are like ready to eat food. Sure. But for the convenience and the, if you're actually going to do it, if you were to do one or two of those breakfast burritos, throw them in the microwave. How easy is that? And then go on your merry way, be out the door. That would be a great solution. Maybe just have a burrito and have maybe a piece of fruit to just like balance out that plate. But that's a, one of my favorite hacks for athletes, uh, especially a lot of like younger athletes, high school athletes too, who have to get up at gosh, it's 5 a.m. Who knows in the what time. Yeah. yeah. When you're yeah. 16 and they really don't want to eat. That's one of my favorite solutions. Yeah. Uh, that's great. That's really practical stuff that I know these young kids can be doing. That's awesome. Okay. So here's another hot button topic. Okay. Every person listening to this wants to know the dietitian's thoughts on supplements. Okay. Where do supplements fit into the big picture here? Yeah. I definitely play devil's advocate in that supplements can fit into your diet, but supplements are not your diet. So you can't out supplement a bad diet. It is the final like cream of the crop. Once you have your fueling down, then the supplements can have an impact. 
because there's no amount of creatine or caffeine that you can take to not eat vegetables or to not have (laughs) breakfast. Like it's not a either or it's in addition to, which is the literal definition of supplement or supplementation. Yep. I think that they can provide a great benefit, of course, if choosing the right ones. So the top supplements that I would probably recommend to an athlete, once they're fueling their hydration, their timing, all of that is good. And they are, they're interested and willing to take supplements because we have to consider that as well. Number one has got to be creatine. So creatine, very well studied supplement, five grams per day of creatine monohydrate, third party tested as always with all of our supplements. So looking for the NSF certified for sport, informed sport, informed choice or USP certification. Um, Creatine is just awesome. Doesn't really taste like anything. Super easy to get down. It has so many benefits from not only a training side of things, but also potentially also from a brain health side of things. That's what I've seen too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And we only get one brain and we have to protect it for as long as possible. You know what? Might as well try. Creatine has got to be my number one. My number two is your omega-3s or like your fish oil. So athletes just, and in general, you're at a higher stress level. You are at a higher oxidative level because of the physical and mental demands of sports in and of itself. You can say the same thing about chefs working in a Michelin star restaurant. You can say the same thing about C-suite executives, lawyers, anyone in that high pressure situation in high physical situation, construction workers, firefighters, like you are dealing with so much of these stressors that we need to balance that out with your diet and protect your body from those stressors, which can ultimately potentially cause like long-term health issues. So omega-3s are our fatty acids found in like a lot of our fish. Yep. You and I are both in the Midwest. There is no ocean in sight. (laughs) (laughs) Fish is very difficult to get in, especially where we are. If you live in an island or on the coast, it might be easier. It's just not part of this area's standard diet. And um, omega-3s are an important nutrient to get in, not only from an antioxidant perspective, also, again, from a brain protection and a heart protection aspect too. So sometimes it's just easier to supplement with omega-3s and because athletes are at a higher demand too. Yeah. My third is, I I have to give a third and then like an asterisk one. So my third is actually vitamin D for, again, us in these cold. The Midwest. Yes, exactly. The Northern hemisphere. Exactly. Yep. Away, the further from the equator. Um, Yes. Just because we just don't get to see the sun as often, especially for these youth athletes who are growing, their bone is developing. Vitamin D can be just honestly a good one to throw in there. If you are having a balanced diet and hitting kind of all those check marks, you should be getting a lot of your micronutrients, your vitamins and minerals through the food itself. So that's why I don't necessarily always recommend a multivitamin because ideally we should be getting that through your diet. But vitamin D is very difficult to get in through your food. We get it through the sunlight, but that's tough during these winter months or just very select pieces of food. So like your salmon, your egg yolks sometimes and like fortified milks and cereals. But that's not a lot of like food options. Sure. My asterisk is caffeine. So caffeine kind of has a bell curve, right? Like it's good until it isn't. There's a bit with the rise in energy drinks. I think there's a lot of not pressure, but almost what do you mean you don't drink energy drinks? Or what do you mean you don't drink coffee? Almost this expectation. 
And my thing with caffeine is, yes, it can be helpful for your performance, right? If you've ever had caffeine, you would know you go, everything goes fast and you're very focused (laughs) and you're very alert. But the challenge is one, is this caffeine a bandaid for poor sleep, poor nutrition, poor recovery? Because if so, then it's not helping. Or two, are we maybe consuming too much or consuming caffeine at the wrong times? Research has shown that there's like this so far, we know this window of 1.5 to 3 grams per milligrams. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. 1.5 to 3 milligrams per kilo of body weight is like that perfect ideal range for mental performance. Three to six milligrams is for physical performance, but three is just the Venn diagram of that window. Mental performance, meaning like too high would be like the jitters, the like yeah. Paranoia or whatever hits for you when it comes to caffeine. And so three milligrams per kilo is what I typically recommend for my athletes. That usually falls within the 150 to 300 milligram range. Yep. Most of these energy drinks are around 200. So if you're doing that and a coffee and blah, 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 in a pre-workout, that will add up and that might not be a good thing. So caffeine load and management, I think is really important for athletes. So that's why it's kind of like an asterisk of, you don't need it. It can be beneficial. I feel like coffee, like I love coffee. So that's a key part of just lifestyle, but we can use it for the better. And of course there are bad ways that you can take it too. Yeah, no, that's a great way to look at it. And I just think of it as like you alluded to, is this a performance enhancer or is this just a crutch Mm -hmm. to get me through? And I think you get to a certain age, maybe you're not sleeping as much or you have kids or it's a very stressful period of time. Maybe you need it for a short period to get you through that. But if it is an ongoing thing for weeks or months or years, that's not a good thing. It's like NSAIDs. Do you need to take a Tylenol every day or is that a crutch for something else? Do you yeah. need to put your normal text on and your Theragun and do all of these yeah. things? Or is that a crutch for something else? Is Are you leaning into that quick fix, like not really addressing the root problem? Or can we actually address what's going on here? So it, it always is a case-by-case standpoint. But again, to kind of give you both sides, it can be beneficial and absolutely used for a lot of my athletes. But of course, if used in the right way. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so one thing I want to talk about. You have this Patreon program. And normally I would save stuff like this for the end, but it's really unique because the way you kind of pitched this to me was, look, a lot of people want help with their nutrition, but they also don't want to pay for like a one-on-one private consult or ongoing coaching. So talk to me about this program and kind of how you have set that up. Because I think this is just a pretty cool little business nugget. That will go in with all of the practical nutrition stuff we talked about. Yeah. And it's actually really funny. Once I I launched it in August and since then I've gotten dietitians that are like, hey, like, what is it? You know what I mean? They're like, (laughs) do you like it? Should I do it? And so I'm, I kind of think that it's the direction that we're heading in. So Patreon is essentially like a paid subscription and how it came to fruition was, I saw this rise in group courses and eBooks and other ways as a business to just streamline your revenue besides working with people one-on-one. One-on-one is a bread and butter. I don't think that'll ever go away, but just like, how do we just change it up? To be quite frank, my thing was like, I don't wanna make a group course. I don't wanna make an eBook. That's just not my style. It's not me to be quite frank. And 
And I was thinking about my athletes. They come to me and they're like, hey, I heard this on Joe Rogan. I heard this on Huberman. I heard this on a podcast. And I'm like, you guys are listening to podcasts. And that's how you're getting your nutrition information. I, again, yeah. I'm just one nutrition voice, parents, coaches, teammates, et cetera. Now podcast sure. is another realm. And so I'm like, interesting. And a lot of the ways that you think is if you listen to these podcasts, it is it's you surround yourself by like your five closest people and that's who you resemble. It's the same kind of thing with the information that you listen to. So I'm like, interesting. So this really came in fruition of people who might not want that one-on-one -on -one nutrition. It's also kind of, it can be kind of scary if you're like, I don't have anything like immediately that I want to work on, but I just want to get better in some way, shape or form. But right. I'm like not ready to make that like full investment, which I get it. This is also for people who, again, learn and listen best by podcast and audio format. And it's really just a space to learn about nutrition, but more in an unbiased, unfiltered kind of way. People like the Joe Rogan's or conversational podcast because you are kind of shooting the shit with people, right? So it's right. like you, but you learn from that too. And so I yep. wanted to have this sort of intersection between like education and entertainment because some of my yeah. athletes who I've graduated and, and they're, we're no longer working together. It's just the conversations, right? It's not a hundred percent just the content, but the conversations that we have around it. So what's happening in the current events with nutrition, like what's going on with these athletes. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. And what is trending these days and, and how do we go about it? So my goal for the Patreon is to just provide again, education in a approachable and almost like an entertainment kind of way. But obviously from a sports dietitian, from someone who's currently working with people and just to give you almost like a mid price point offering, you don't need to go all right. in, but okay. there is this halfway point of you want guidance, you want knowledge, but just not on a personalized one-on-one -on -one way. Yeah. I mean, it's literally what we do. If you think about a gym, there's a reason some people want a hundred people in a Barry's boot camp, large group environment. Then there's the person that wants small group, four to six, four to eight. And then there's the person that wants, no, I am N equals one. I want you for an hour, just us, mm -hmm. right? So really it comes down to access, time, monetary investment. These are all things and you're just supplying it to a different subset or a different audience. Very smart. Exactly. Yeah. And again, former clients who just want to stay sharp, but don't need the one-on-one -on -one conversation. But you yeah. know, it's so easy with all this information to let that persuade you to think a different way, to go back to the diet and exercise, but to know, again, the information that you're listening to, you want that to support the lifestyle that you want to live. And so the people on my Patreon align with the feeling with the purpose and they align with that like, men like mentality and, and lifestyle. Yeah. So Literally, it's as it's a seven day free trial, and then as low as five bucks a month. I was like, it's five bucks a month. It's one latte, and I'm like, gosh, I hate <laughs> saying that because it's <laughs> like a almost like. But a you have to, right? Right. Yeah, you have <laughs> to. Like There's a, the like, sales copy piece yeah. <laughs> to that, right? Like you have to give them the comparison. How do I like rationalize this? Yeah, I mean, it really at this point, it really is even less than a latte. But like, it, it really is one latte a month. <laughs> One latte a month, and then you can buy a house. But um, right. one latte a month, and then you can get all this information. It's weekly episodes, so four episodes-ish a month. And then there are multiple tiers, too. So all of these are going to be less than the average one-on-one -on -one investment, which is like 
how I structured it all. Depending on the tiers, yep. you have the ability to access these every other month drops where I drop a PDF of a guide. So uh, my recent oh, one was cool. a supplement guide of, you know what? If I always ask what supplements do you take or what supplements would you recommend? Elevator pitch, boom, here they are with clickable links. Here are the protein powders that I would recommend with clickable pictures. There you go. Yeah. Go after it. The one before that was oh, protein, that's cool. Mm-hmm, was protein yeah. bars list or what to order at these certain restaurants or what to pick up at the gas station when you're on your uh, travel tournaments. Boom. Everything is like there for you. So the purpose of the guide is just to make things condensed and practical. Um, so that's at one of the tiers. Um, you have the ability to ask questions, which is huge. So kind of, it's not quite one-on-one, but you know, we're all curious, right? So to ask these questions and have the space to do, and then listen to the practical recommendation and advice on it. And then the highest level tier also gives you access to monthly office hours, which it it could end up to be like a one-on-one chat to be realistic. And again, that one is like all for the less than the average investment of one-on-one stuff. So you can kind of find yeah. a loophole in there, honestly, of getting in this access. And it, it is what you make of it. Take advantage of the resources that you pay for, because ultimately my job here is to help you as an athlete or um, athletic trainers I'll be getting and coaches. It, it really is to help you in the end. Yeah. It's a cool setup too, because if you've ever created an ebook or a course or one of these things, it's, man, that's six months or a year, maybe multiple years to create something of that depth and that scope, right? Versus what you're talking about, not to take anything away from it, but it's very current. It's very timely. The second somebody writes a book, the book's already outdated. That's the crazy thing because mm-hmm. it takes you two or three years. So stuff that you wish you could change, you can't. Right. Versus you're talking about, oh, what are the diet trends? Boom. Here are the diet trends right yeah. now. What supplements would I recommend right now? Boom. Here that is. So it's almost like this like magazine type format where there's just that level of currency. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for here. Yeah. But it's constantly up to date and it's constantly reflective of where you're at. That's really cool. And anyone can listen to these. I'm toying around with 30 minute episodes where you go for your walk or you're in your car and you just play it. And that's it. Yeah. You don't have to read yeah. it. At this point, I feel like no one wants to read books. Everyone just <laughs> wants to listen. So right, meet right. them where they're at. And obviously yeah. this is ever evolving as all businesses are. So it's something that I'm super, super passionate about. And again, the way that we receive nutrition communication these days is no longer through the New England Journal of Medicine. Like it <laughs> is through these podcasts and these auditory education. So that's exactly where I'll be. Yeah. I mean, that's why I've created a podcast. Exactly. Wrote, I wrote for a long time and I started seeing either my writing got way worse, which <laughs> hopefully that wasn't the case. I felt like my writing was getting better, but readers were going down. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, people are consuming in just different formats. Totally. So there's a reason there's articles and podcasts and videos because everybody likes to consume or digest information in different ways. So very no pun smart. intended. <laughs> okay. No pun intended. Okay. Big question time. Mm-hmm. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Christina Chu one piece of advice, what would it be? Gosh, this always gets me. If I could give young Christina a piece of advice, it would be to just trust the process. I think we are, as high achievers, high performers, you're constantly waiting for the end. I've made it when I have done this or I've made it until I've done that. Very outcomes oriented. But now I'm like, man, I wish I 
went to that house party in college instead of sex. <laughs> like, I wish I yeah. lived in the moment and was more present during these times versus constantly thinking about the future. No regrets, of course. Everything happens for a reason. That's always the advice that I give to like interns and reflecting back of, man, you're only going to be a student for one, hopefully one, or maybe not. I don't know, but you're going to be a student once ish. So enjoy this time. Ask your questions. You don't need to know everything as a student. Your job is to learn. It's not to know and execute, ask your questions, be curious, have fun and stay present in the moment. And yeah, I just really wish I knew that back then. Yeah. It's, that's a great piece of advice. And I would just add on like, your learning doesn't stop. Like, mm -hmm. I guess I didn't really think of it like that. When you're like 19 or 20, you think, oh, when I'm done with school, I'm done learning, right? Versus no, you learn forever, but that experience is limited. Yep. So mm -hmm. make sure you enjoy that experience. I'm Make sure I tell my kids this in a safe way <laughs> when they go to school and all that, but that's part of it. Learn, do good in your schoolwork, try your best, but also there's the experience of being there and meeting new people and yep. enjoy that aspect of it. Yes. Too. The trauma bonding with your classmates. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trauma bonding. Yes, I like that. I like yes. that. Also, it's to be able to sit in a classroom and your only job is to learn. You don't have to think about what are my taxes going to be? When is rent due? Like when you're yeah. in a traditional school setting, like pretty much, I think all of that is just figured out for you. And then like you're sole purpose is to learn. Like I reflect yeah. back. I'm like, wow, like that was pretty nice. I was such a sponge and open and you just think differently when you're a student. So that yeah. is something to not take advantage of when you're in that process. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Last but not least yep. lightning round okay. Four fairly short questions, but you can take as long or short as you like to answer. Okay. okay. Number one, serious question. Why all the hate for salt and pepper? What's the problem here? I do you remember that post? I do. Listen. <laughs> so that was a clip from my Patreon. Okay. I, it's not that I hate salt and pepper <laughs> because I love it. It's one of my primary spices, yeah. but it's the like, why are we only using salt and pepper? That's fair. That's it. So no hate towards us. It's fair. great. Those are great spices and herbs to use, but like, why are we only using salt and pepper? And then being like, man, this boiled frozen broccoli does not taste good. I hate vegetables. It's no, you just don't know how to season your veggies and you don't know how to cook. So instead of being yes. like, that's the end all be all, like, like respectfully, just don't be a boring cook and buy one of those pre-seasoned mixes and like use that all over your food. And I promise you, you'll make vegetables taste good. You'll make your protein taste good. You'll make anything taste good. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. Okay, number two, people always want to know what the health professional's favorite guilty pleasure food is. So I'm Ooh. interested, what is yours? Okay, okay. As a dietitian, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I believe in Good, so your treat foods. Food yes. should never yeah. be guilty. Otherwise, we just yes. tend to overeat it anyways. It just, it is what it is. But if yeah. you're asking me what I love to do on a special event, Saturday evening, what have you, I'll give you two. One sweet and one salty. Oh, okay. Okay. When it comes to sweet, I'm a big ice cream gal. I love ice cream. Okay. I love gelato. Yes. Even in the winter. Mm, yes. Totally. Like I'm here for doesn't it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah, not matter. No. Doesn't matter. And I'm a big vanilla ice cream with like chunks. So cookie dough or cookies and cream. Like anything of oh, that yeah. realm is so good. Yep. From a savory perspective, love a big bowl of pasta. 
Okay. So, yeah. Honestly, Olive Garden is where I thrive. <laughs> <laughs> the breadsticks, man. Any the day. breadsticks. The breadsticks, yeah. the cheese wheel, the Andy's mints. Like it they have yeah. everything down to a That's tea. So funny. The sal even the salad is good. The salad is fantastic oh, yeah. at Olive Garden. It hasn't changed like forever, but like it there's a reason because it tastes amazing. I don't know why I just love pasta. And so that's just like my, my go-to treat food when it's, you're just enjoying yes. life. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Did uh, you grow up in Boston? I grew up in, in the Chicago uh, suburbs. Oh, so you grew up in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. So where I grew up, literally there's, it's a small town, college town, and there's like the trifecta in one area. There's Olive Garden, which we just called the OG, Red Lobster, <laughs> oh. and Texas Roadhouse. So it's like just straight Midwest chain. Oh, wow. Yeah. We just a... rotated through those. My family just rotated Yum. through those constantly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I need a Chili's and then that is complete. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big chili. Very good. Girl. Very good. <laughs> okay. Number three, best piece of advice for a collegiate athlete, young professional, anybody in that realm on how to grocery shop more effectively. I feel okay. like this probably could have been a full question, but maybe a couple, couple tips. All right. Couple tips on grocery shopping. Number one, menu plan. So you don't need to write breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but even if you were to just do one meal and then menu plan, and then your list is whatever ingredients are needed for those days. That okay. will help make your grocery shopping trip a lot more efficient. Number two would be being realistic with yourself in that grocery list. So sometimes let the grocery store do the prep work for you. Let them like, mm. get the pre-cut broccoli, get the pre-cut string beans, get the pre-diced onions or whatever. Yeah. Let them do some of that work for you. It, you're not the only one to have a time crunch. Okay. Like many people do the grocery right. store knows that and they know that it's okay to pay an extra premium to have that work done. If that means that you'll do that instead of ordering out or not eating. Sure. So like sometimes it's worth it to spend a little bit more money on the pre-cut pre-cooked rotisserie chickens, frozen chickens, grilled chicken strips. It can be worth it to have those in the fridge or what have you just from a convenience standpoint. Bagged salad kits are like my favorite. I love oh, yeah, a good sure. bagged salad kit. The pre-cut veggies are good. And again, like keeping a rotisserie chicken in the fridge for whenever you need it. And then my last tip when it comes to grocery shopping efficiently is what I recommend. I don't know. I Honestly, can I leave it at two? I, yeah, I like you can two. absolutely leave it I at two. I like those two. I, Otherwise it's 10. And then yeah, game over. I just like the idea of... Look, everybody knows you get busy. You don't always have time to take the hour to prep the meal and hand dice the lettuce and the tomatoes and the herbs. It's I mean, sometimes you just want to eat a salad. Yeah. Give me the bag salad. I'm going to put it in this bowl, whip it together and we're good to go. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. It's just a ratchet sweet green, right? You just, you put the yeah. bag salad in, you throw in some grilled, pre-grilled chicken that's in like the prepared section. And then you have toast with that. And then you move on because you're busy. Everybody's yeah. busy. But just because you buy the convenient option doesn't mean it's unhealthy. In fact, that could be a very realistic part of an athlete's diet. Yeah. 
What was the okay? You've got a couple good one-liners in here. You had Ratchet Sweet Green. <laughs> what was the other one? Trauma. Oh, I don't know. You're... Trauma bonded. <laughs> trauma bonding. That's going to be like the title of the show. Oh, trauma okay. bonded. Okay, last <laughs> trauma bonding. Ratchet Sweet Green. All, all kinds of good stuff. Okay, last but not least, okay. number four. What's next for Christina Chu? What are you doing now? What are you excited about? What's coming down the pipeline? Yeah. Anything? Yeah. What's next for me? 2023 was definitely the year of travel and traveling for work, which is such a dream to be able to say yeah. that. And I got to say, yeah. I'm hooked. I am so cool. hooked. Doing yeah. presentations and team talks and being able to see different parts of the country, get to know people from all over and, and where they're coming from. I mean, that is just a priceless experience. I think 2024 is definitely a year of more travel for work, speaking at conferences, speaking at different teams across the nation. My second thing is the Patreon. I launched that in the summer, but I definitely want to watch that grow and just help my help cater to my audience more and help them. And so growing that Patreon is definitely is a huge priority and I can't yeah. wait to see what will happen. I can't predict the future, but I'm excited uh, for what's yeah. in store for that. I love it. And the other cool thing is there too. It's like the ability to leverage, right? It's the beauty of the internet. Instead of just helping one person, now you can help tens or hundreds or thousands. Mm -hmm. So very cool. Very cool. Christina, this has been amazing. It's been so great catching up with you and learning more about your business and your practice. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work you're doing? Absolutely. So the best way is through Instagram. So my handle is at Christina Y. Chu. I also have a website, ChristinaYChu.com. <laughs> Keeping it simple. And then that's um, right. if you want to find the Patreon, it has a seven-day free trial again and as low as one latte a month. Yes. And then that is Patreon.com slash Christina Chu Studios. Perfect. I will make sure I get all those links in the show notes so people can find you. And again, Christina, this is amazing. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's episode with Christina Chu. Really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, she's very, very smart, obviously. But more importantly, I love how we talk big picture first, and then we drill down and we talk about specifics. We talk about how to practically apply nutrition, whether we're talking grocery shopping, whether we're talking about the performance plate, whether we're talking about how much caffeine you need to you know, maximize your mental acuity or your physical output. I love that we got to talk some real practical brass tacks information, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. So small favor to ask, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do me one small favor and share this with a friend, family member, loved one, colleague, Anybody that you think would benefit from hearing Christina's message, if you would share it with them by whatever means works best for you, I would truly appreciate it. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.